Pickaxe. Hello, I'm Jamie Evans. You're listening to the Video Game Movie Podcast. Now I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, hang on, isn't this the part where Rory usually talks? Well, Rory can't talk right now because I murdered him. Because I listened to the episode Welcome to Raccoon City, and I heard the message that he left in it! So I would like to be clear that I do not recommend the Paul Anderson Resident Evil movies. They are terrible! Awful movies. Um, (laughs) And I was quite hurt by that fact. Now, since we have to do a show, I'm going to just resurrect Rory from the dead here. One second, let's see. Uh, Ominous, spiritus, blah, blah, bidi, boo, boom. (sighs) Oh, God. Uh, Rory, you were almost a Rory sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> I prefer to be called a hot dog. <laughs> um, yes, I heard your message, Rory. <laughs> yes. Um, now, to be fair, I didn't add that in post per se. When you there was there was a- I know I, I worked out the bit you'd done it because I heard me come back from the toilet. Yes, and you go. I haven't recorded anything. I just sat here in silence. <laughs> I knew when you did that that you'd recorded something because no one says I haven't recorded anything I've sat here in silence so, if they've actually sat in silence. So, so I, I decided I tried not to record anything that would anger you. I mean, it was no, just, no, it just made me furious. Just... Anyway, welcome to the video game movie podcast. Uh, this is our New Year's Day episode. No, it's our Christmas episode. This is our Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. We're not recording. Can be murdered on our Christmas episode. We're, we're we're not recording. No, you can be murdered on Christmas. It's brilliant. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're we're recording this in advance in case you couldn't tell. Before we get down to business, I would like to do the social media recommendations. So I'd like to recommend that you visit vgmovie.co.uk. Yep. That website now has all of our links, basically. If you want to find us at Podbean, at Spotify. iTunes. Yeah, iTunes. Amazon Music. Amazon Music and Google. Mm -hmm. And also our Discord link is in there. So you can actually find... And our RSS feed. Yeah, come come to Discord. Because it's a bit of a ghost town in Discord at the minute. Come to our Discord and have a chat with us. See what you think. Yeah. It's just one rule. Just one teeny tiny rule. No Paul Anderson fans. If you if you oh, think hang on, that, what about Uwe Ball fans? They're, yeah, they're fine. I'll debate that with them, but Anderson's not up for debate. But for Mortal me. Kombat's a great film. I will kill you again. All right, fine. It, Resident Evil: The Last Chapter. There's twelve days of Christmas. I will kill you twelve times, <laughs> Rory. So vgmovie.co.uk. Please also, can I just make a plea? If you'd like to give us something for Christmas, what you can give us is please share the podcast with your friends on your social media. We're really trying to make this a thing. It's actually quite a lot of effort to make this podcast. Like I know you probably think it's just oh, watch a movie, riff on it, but actually there's a lot of research that we do in these. Yeah. Um, and actually, we're both really busy people. It just just watching the movies is difficult to schedule, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Can I also recommend that you find us on... No, we don't have an official Twitter for this, do we? No. So in that case, go to at the Impala <laughs> Films, and I'll tweet about it a little bit. Do Cyberpunk have a Twitter? Yes, at Cyberpunk Film. So at Cyberpunk Film and at the Impala Films, where we'll uh, promote this thing. Anyway, so you're probably wondering what we are talking about today. So today... 
Rory has bought me a film I've never heard of before, which is interesting. It's rare that that happens, so I was quite excited. Uh, so he sold this to me as the first on-screen appearance of Spider-Man himself, Tobey Maguire. Yep. Yeah. Well, he is. Technically, technically not a lie. He's but, not uh, Spider-Man, in it? No, no, no. But he's, he's, he's a greasy-haired... I mean, to be fair, i tell you what, he's probably the best part of the film for me. Glorious mullet. Oh, yeah. Glorious mullet. I want, if, if it's true that Tobey Maguire's going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home, the new Spider-Man film releasing next week, I hope he's got that mullet. <laughs> I want him to be fighting the Green Goblin with that mullet. Uh, no, so this is the 1989 movie The Wizard, or as the Spanish title says... El uh, Campeón del Videojuego. I'm guessing that is champion of video games. Yes, in correct. Spanish. Look, I learned all my Spanish playing Resident Evil 4. Well, there you go. Oh, hello. So, I mean, like, just because it's the only trivia that won't interfere with like plot spoilers and things like that. A few literal translations because this wasn't really called, as you can tell by the Spanish title, wasn't called the Wizard in most foreign languages it was called other things so to be fair sorry i know you're talking no. but i will say i must admit it's a bit of a, I, I know where the title comes from because it's the kid's nickname but it's not a good but name. it's not a good title for a film and could actually have contributed to why this didn't do too well yeah. because it sounds like it should be a fantasy movie yeah I agree like a you. like a wizard of oz type deal a similar deal to that was there's uh, a, a an amazing classic film uh, that I, I absolutely would recommend, though it's not video game related. Wages of Fear? Yes. How did uh, I know? How the... did I know? <laughs> it's from the 1950s, black and white. It's the most tense film you'll ever watch. It's incredible. There was a remake in the 70s, I believe, called Sorcerer. And basically the story is about a group of truckers with nitroglycerin in the back of their trucks having to go across the dangerous back end of South America mm. to help basically take this explosive material to an oil field to clear, like basically they explode the fuel mm. to cut the oxygen out and kill a, an oil fire. But the thing is, they've got to do the travel there, and it's all it's it's treacherous as all hell. Well, obviously, the first one, Wages of Fear, is a pretty cool name in itself. The second one was called Sorcerer because the truckers in real life who used to do that sort of thing used to name their trucks. And on that list of real names for these trucks, one of them was Sorcerer. The problem is, when you name the film that, as you say, it has that... Dungeons and Dragons Yeah, you sort of think, oh, Sorcerer, that must be about wizards and things like that. I won't watch that. But it was nothing to do with them. So, yeah. uh, So, here's some translations. So, in Germany, this was called Joystick Heroes. In Japan... Uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. How's that pronounced in German? Is it like Joystickenweinkaio? That wasn't German. That was like Japanese or something. Go on, I'm I'm trying to speak I, German and I can't. No, I I mean I, I, to be honest, I've only got the literal translation. Oh, okay, fair enough. The only on. one I've got is El Campeón del Videojuego because I've got the actual because I've got the Spanish Blu-ray. <laughs> Videojuego is that yeah. what they call? So video in Spanish is the same as it is in English. Video is the same in but every wait, language. Is it? Yes. Wow. Because it's yeah, it's a mod- modern word. technology. Yeah. yeah. But juego is game. Yes. There you go. So, yeah, so Joystick Heroes in Germany, Sweet Road in Japan. I have no oh, idea. That makes sense, makes yeah. sense. It's Jap- Japan, just let it go. <laughs> we've, ba- we've bagged on Japan on too many episodes. We're lucky that for Japan it wasn't like a 74 word long title, which they often What did like I just do. say about we can't bag on them? I wasn't again. banging on Japan. I'm just saying they could at least shorten the name of their stuff a little bit. I have noticed Japanese names tend to tell you exactly what's going to happen in the film. Yeah, yeah. Like they'll literally call a film something like, um, I don't know. 
Like, say they were doing Harry Potter, and they'd literally call it something like, Wizard Boy Fights Dark Lord and Gets the Sorcerer's Stone. And you're like... Yeah, yeah. They tend to be very literal names, don't they? Well, is it? I don't know if this is true, but have you ever heard what the Japanese title of um, Sixth Sense is? No. Not Japanese, Chinese title of Sixth Sense. Oh, Chinese one, no. Apparently, I don't know if this is true, in China it was released as He's a Ghost. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the main the main twist of the sixth sense I feel sorry for any of the Chinese people that were so dumb they watched it and they thought that the boy was the ghost because oh, of the title they're like oh yeah, I know where he sees ghosts He's, he is a ghost and then maybe the twist <laughs> still works then maybe it does um, so it was called the wizard of video games in Italy and Brazil the champion of video games in Spain video kid in France Game Boy in Sweden, which actually—that's the best one because it's a Nintendo thing. That's the best one, Game Boy. Um, What was it called in the UK? It was just called the Wizard in the UK. Yeah, Yeah. same as in America. Didn't really get much of a release over here, to be honest. I don't know why. It's it's a very American movie. No, it's a very American movie. Game Over in Finland, but every freaking video game thing is called Game Over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could write, I could make you a whole list of video game movies we have to watch just called Game Over. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. There's a film that's fairly recent, last few years, called Game Over Man. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. It's Game yeah, Over Man. Game Over. Yeah, but it's not that either. It's just it's about these guys who want to make a video game, but they work mm. in a hotel. Yeah. I don't know. It's a bit Vide- pants. But... Video games are better than girlfriends. Because oh, you, you don't well. have to think of a conversation. You just look at a... <sighs> do you know The Midnight Beast? <laughs> no, I don't want to know. No, no, no. Seriously, The Midnight Beast. Fuck it, I'm going to do a shout out for Midnight Beast. Why not? <laughs> I don't even know if they're still around, because I used to listen to them when I was at uni. The Midnight Beast are a British comedy rap band. Okay. Um, and they, had a, they actually had a TV show on Channel 4 for two years that was a sitcom but with their songs in it. It was was all right. Um, Their songs are pretty funny. One of the best ones is they've got a song called Video Games Are Better Than Girlfriends. Because they're they're all like three nerds. And basically they sing a song about why they'd rather have video games than a girlfriend. And the lyrics are vaguely sexist because it basically centres around the fact that girls will be annoying or in a bad mood sometimes. And if video games are being annoying, you can just turn them off. We can't do that to a person. Um, And it also contains the line, I want to put my bleep in Lara Croft. Oh, sounds like quality. Quality writing. It's quite funny. The last song I heard of them, they actually did a Pokemon parody. You know, the the infamous Uh, Pokemon song? They did one about that for Pokemon Go that admittedly was quite funny. Playing on... Do you remember when Pokemon Go first came out and you had people doing stupid shit? Like getting into car crashes because they were playing Pokemon. It was was like that. And um, they they end up going cannibal and eating their best friend in order to get a Pikachu. (laughs) (laughs) I've always thought if I could take the song Barbie Girl but make By it into Aqua. a hip hop, yeah, and make it into a hip hop version. But why would you ruin a perfect? Song? Well, no. The reason I'd do that is then I could call it bubble rap. Bubble rap. Because like bubble gum. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Rap. I get it. But Barbie girls are perfect. You're song. meant to laugh at this point. But it wasn't funny. No. Insert canned laughter here. <laughs> Oh, that's my real laughter. I thought you were going to edit in an audience. Like well, the I audience could always cut me out and just add Yeah, maybe. Right, shall we move on? Let's, let's, let's actually start. So I've got the Spanish Blu-ray, which is based on the Universal release in America. It was a bad transfer. It's like an old transfer of the film. And then they've scrubbed it. It's To be fair, I found it okay. I bought this one because it was cheap. 
because I didn't expect anything from this film. I thought it'd be dire mm. crap. So I bought this version. I really enjoyed it, and we'll get to that as we go through the review. But I liked it so much, I imported that version you're holding there, Jamie, which the is the Shout Select version. Yeah, so Shout Factory did a 4K scan, a new 4K scan of the film negative, and gave it a much better image quality it's than a, this version it's uh not that we review cover art on here but no no we did a bit for noobs didn't we we did yeah yeah the, with the, knobs the front cover is very nice on the shout factory version not a huge fan of the back cover design no, uh, no the with, back the, with, the, with the bogey green coloring yeah um, but i tell you what i love so this film don't get me wrong he is technically the main character so i understand yep. but you know you usually put your biggest star above the title yeah. So this film has Christian Slater in it, Bo Bridges in it, and yet they chose to put Fred Savage. Well, they've done the same on the Spanish version. Fred which, Savage in big yeah. letters, and then which, Bo Bridges and Christian Slater yeah. in small. Which I understand, he is the main character, fair play to him, but his biggest other claim to fame is he's the mole guy in Austin Powers' gold member. Yes. Mole, mole, mole. Because I enjoyed it so much, I bought the American version, and if you're going to get a version, not... We'll come to recommendations later, but if you were to buy a version, I would recommend importing the American Shout, Shout Select version. The reason being, though you will have to rip it because it's uh, locked to region A, so you can't oh. watch it on a UK Blu-ray So player. you can't actually put that disc in a machine and watch it? Nope. Roaring. <laughs> but it's a two-disc... But I'll tell you why. I think we two, need to talk it's about two, your priorities. It's a two-disc version. It's got the remastered version. It's got audio commentary with the director. Mm, I was noticing there's a lot of special features Yep, there. and one of the main ones that's quite useful is the fact that there's loads of deleted scenes on there. Mm. Now, the original script was 150 pages. Oh, God. And the director actually contacted Shield and was like, look, you need to chop this down. 150 pages is about 150 minutes. It's way too long for this film. Mm. But the, they insisted he filmed the lot. So he did. And uh, almost everything that was chopped out, there's a couple of bits from later in the film, but most of it's actually running up to the point where they go on their journey. Right. So you get a lot more about the family drama. Yeah, because um, that felt... Because in the actual version, that that goes quite quick. Yeah. Um, like, there's maybe ten minutes before the main adventure starts. Yeah, I think there's about half an hour chopped from that section. Wow. Which is quite a lot. I'll give you an idea of how long it would run if mm. it was the whole 150 minutes. Yeah. I mean, some of it's useful. There's a couple. There's only a couple of bits in there that I think would be better put back in the film. But for the most part, I can understand why they chopped some of it. However, one of the actors cut, because they're in only in the deleted scenes now, is... Uh, do you remember the film Hook? I've never seen it, but I'm aware of it. Okay, so Robin Williams plays Peter Pan in Hook. And Dustin, Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman is plays Hook Captain himself. Hook. In that film, there is a young boy... A lot of people have watched Hook when they were younger... Uh, the, there's a young boy who plays a character called Rufio, who is in charge of the Lost Boys since Peter Pan disappeared. And Rufio was in this film, okay. <laughs> but he was unfortunately completely cut out in the yeah in the preamble. So I'm just going to read the blurb on the box, and then we'll get onto the story proper. Yeah. <clears throat> Jimmy un niño con algunas dificultades de comunicación. You did this joke already. You can't keep doing this every time. Logra escapar del centro en el que está internado con ayuda de su medio hermano Cory. Did we have any listeners in Spain? When Not you anymore. The anal- when no, we didn't the actually. So then who are you doing this for? <laughs> for, for me. <laughs> so let, let's pop them down. Basically, I'll sum this up for you. 
boy who is potentially autistic, but we're told in the film he's just suffering post-traumatic stress, goes on a journey with his older brother, who is the middle of three brothers. They leave their parents and go on a hitchhiking journey from Utah to California. You say that with Arnie's accent, but he's not in this. In fact, No, uh, but everyone knows the advert where he's like, welcome to California. No, that's true, but the California quote from this is is the boy. To be fair, to be fair, that's on the on the special features. The documentary is called California, yeah, like so that, which leads me to believe they want you to pronounce it like Arnie. No, they want you to pronounce it like Jimmy from the film. No, I prefer Arnie. I'll, this I'll, film, would be, this film would be improved if it had Arnie in it. What being Jimmy, an adult man yes, playing an eight-year-old with autism? Yes, yes, Arnie could do it. <laughs> Only can do anything. California. I must go to California. <laughs> What's that, Jimmy? You want to go to Cal- California? Uh, anyway, basically, they go on this hitchhiking journey because Jimmy insists he wants to go to California, but we don't really know why. Sure. But along the way, they discover that Jimmy has a secret talent. Yes. No video game. Yes, he is incredible at playing old classic Nintendo video games. Well, they're not uh, old classic like at this point. They're just no. They video were fresh. Games. They were fresh. fresh off the press. It's like the equivalent of a guy being amazing at Fortnite or something these Ooh, days. Yeah, yeah Fortnite. Yeah. Um, old men, old men, old men. Anyway, they go on this journey. They pick up some chick on the way um, who uh, clearly... It sound like it's Pamela Anderson they pick up. <laughs> no, God, no. I'd some that. some so small redhead. Jimmy as um, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. We've got the chick played by... Like, Pamela Hayley, Anderson. Played by Pamela Anderson. And just leave. I just want Who's Fred the Savage, one? the boy, as, as he's as, himself. Yeah, yes, so he, he's the only actual child in it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they decide to enter a video game tournament called something Armageddon. Is it video, video game Armageddon? Armageddon? Video Armageddon, yeah. Ah, not Video Armageddon. No, that's from Noobs. Frogger! So let's carry on. So, first, my first note here is audio. The opening titles we see Jimmy, the young autistic boy. Um, I'm going to just call him autistic in this because that's how he acts. Yeah, well, so um, let's let's clear this up. Cause I feel like we need to clear this up before we carry on. Sure. Was the in, so in the film in the in the cut that we watched, they just refer to him as suffering post traumatic stress. Yes, he does act very autistic. Was there ever a point, like in the writing process or anything like that, was he intended to be autistic? So, it's never explained in the film, as you say. It's not even in the deleted scenes, but it was apparently the the choice was made to leave what his condition was out of the script, because they didn't want comparisons with Rain Man, that only came out the year prior. So they didn't, because obviously that was a road trip with Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman playing an autistic man. Yeah, um, but no, no offence to the wizard, but I doubt anyone's ever going to compare the wizard. Well, to... if if they did, it, as you say, it would not be a favourable comparison. So no. that's why I think they wanted to, you know, let's not compare this fucking seven-year-old boy to Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> It's a bit out of order. You know, I've never seen Rain Man. It's a good film. At some, film. Po- at some point, I actually want to do the... I've tried three times before and I've always felt I actually want to do the IMDb Top 250. Oh, okay. But I've, I've never made it. I've always started, got about ten films in and been like, people have no taste. Why are they voting <laughs> these films to the top? We'll talk about that after the show because, yeah, a lot we can discuss on that. So we open up with Jimmy walking down the road, holding a lunchbox on his own, this middle-of-nowhere highway in through the desert... And there's You Don't Get Much, the song You Don't Get Much by The Bodines. You don't get much without giving. Which is an incredible. 
incredible track. I enjoyed it so much that I ended up buying it because I was just oh. like, I love this song. I never heard it before. It's a nice natural song. I like certainly after we've watched so many modern films, and the soundtrack is always so arrogant, just like remixed drum and bass. <laughs> You know, you're just like, I'll piss off. Again, old man. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, sup, kids? We're down with the EDM yeah. and the, the Eilish. And, Who's Eilish? And, and I don't know, who else do oh, people Billy, like? Billy. Yeah, who else do they like? Uh, Ariana Grande. So, quick, quick side note, quick side note. This is how out of touch I am. So, I teach acting for film and I was trying to give an example we were doing a scene where someone had to be starstruck and I was giving an example and I was like it's as if you guys today if you met I don't know who's cool these days Ed Sheeran still doing stuff and they laughed at me and were like Ed Sheeran is old Ed wow. Sheeran oh no well if you think about it so he's like Justin Bieber was the little bitch New boy. Yeah, he's, he's a grown like, man now. Yeah, he must be in his 30s. No, no, he's not in his 30s. Oh, okay, he's in his enough. 20s. But he's getting, but he's, he's must be co- getting towards the later he, end of his 20s. He looks like he's in his 30s because he's clearly on all kinds of drugs. Anyway, sorry, let's get into this because yeah, anyway. our episodes have been creeping up in length lately, yes, Rory. Yes, they have, yeah. So Jimmy walks down the empty desert road. Plane calls him, calls in that they've seen him and the local sheriff picks him up. He, when he asks Jimmy where he's going, he gives the reply... California. California. Which, yeah, which you keep on insisting is Hardy, but I'm gonna, the kid does I'm not. And, and basically, we, we learn that this this is a frequent event with this kid. Yeah, it's a repeat occurrence. So the officer takes him to see his mum, and they're having a parent-teacher meeting, it seems, at yeah. a particular place. Uh, well, I think she's his therapist. Uh, yeah, I couldn't gather... Like, I thought she sounds more like a therapist, but yeah. the room that he's in with all the toys looks more like it would be in a school. No, you have stuff like that in a therapy oh, okay. office for kids. And uh, his stepdad is played by Chandler Bing's boss from Friends. Boss Man Bing! Boss Man Bing! <laughs> you want one too, don't you? Get out of here, you son of a gun! And he's a, a bit of a dick in this as well. Yeah. He's, he's got a type for, for his roles. Psychologists ask if he ever visited his brothers or biological father on the running out. The stepdad reveals that he never goes there, but also specifies that he never goes near the river. That actually becomes important later. It's not just a throwaway line. Foreshadowing. Foreshadows. But he does keep running away and then suggests putting Jimmy in a home. So we then cut to the rest of the family, where you've got the father, played by Bo Bridges, got Fred Savage as Corey, and you've got Christian Slater. As mm. Nick. A rather young Christian Slater. Yeah, yeah. I think only in his early 20s, maybe? Yeah, late teens, early 20s, for sure. Mm. Yeah, definitely no older than that. The dad makes a burnt casserole as the, they all have an argument. It seems like a quite dysfunctional family. Corey doesn't want Jimmy put in a home. The dad's kind of a bit apathetic, like it's none of his business or none of his... Because like, the, the mum's got custody of the kid yeah so the mum's got custody and the stepdad and her are making those decisions but he does have a go at Christian Slater because Christian Slater keeps stealing his truck mm. I, I would refer to him as Nick but I'm just going to call him Christian Slater and pretend yeah. that Christian Slater was stealing someone's truck I can't help but feel the whole film would have been improved if we replaced Bo Bridges with Jeff Bridges <laughs> you just moaned about his weak chin yeah he's, he's not as attractive a man as Jeff Bridges is he no but 
I don't know if I would have bought Jeff Bridges or as their as, dad. Or as good of an actor as Jeff... No offence, bro, Bridges, you're, you're far better than I am, of course. But Jeff you, Bridges I don't, is... I don't see what the problem you had with Bo Bridges' acting was. I can understand you didn't like his weaker chin. He just but wasn't, that's you. That's... He just he doesn't look movie... St- he's, he's not handsome in a traditional movie style. I don't way. think he was meant to be. He's not meant to be Chris Evans from... Yeah, but I like, I like Hollywood to give me a false sense of beauty. But this, that's what I like, I like about to, this film. I like, to feel, I like to feel body shamed Rory well you've got all the Marvel <laughs> films for that man oh you're telling me huh I, I took a date to see a Thor movie he took his shirt off Jesus Christ never Who's felt so, date or? never felt so, <laughs> never felt so inadequate in my life she got up and the seat was wet oh that's <laughs> oh I don't like that joke let's move on okay so, so let's speed this up a bit so yeah. basically broken family blah yep. blah blah but Corey is all like Corey is Fred Savage kid yes yeah? it is yep. he's like none of you understand none of you really care about uh, Jimmy yep. so he goes to the home that they've put Jimmy in and the facility yeah. and busts him out and they hide in the back of a hostess cakes truck yeah like an ice cream truck or something yeah. it's hostess cakes Twinkies oh okay mm. I didn't know them okay so Christian Slater and Bo Bridges are then called into the institute almost immediately. This is where you can sort of feel that there's been like quite a few pages of script chopped out because it, just as soon as the boys have left, the parents are being called in to tell them that the boys have run away within like five seconds. But they get to the institute saying that the disappearance has been noted and the mother and Bateman, that's his name, the stepdad, have hired a guy called Mr Putnam to capture Jimmy, but not Corey. And this dude, this dude has the sweetest hairline since Nick Cage. Oh, absolutely. And a bolo. And a bolo tie, yeah. yeah. With no cowboy hat, which feels like a waste. Yeah, no, it does a bit. Uh, Putnam, the only other thing on this sheet is that Putnam warns Bo Bridges not to get in his way because otherwise he Putnam doesn't might get, get the paid, money. So yes. he, does, he doesn't really care about finding the child as much as getting paid. Of course he does. He's got to buy more, more, more sweet, sweet bolos. Yep. There's quite a few sections where Corey and Jimmy are travelling, so no real need for us to go into massive depth about you know the transitions. But they do, there is quite a few, almost like a montage of them travelling, and they have to camp out of the mountains at one point. They dropped off in a town, and Corey puts a quarter into a Double Dragon arcade machine to occupy Jimmy and tries to buy a bus ticket to California. Realises that they don't have enough money, and they catch the attention of a girl sitting there reading Cosmopolitan, who happens to be Haley, who is mm. going to... Basically, these three are going to make a trio for the rest of this film. Mm. And we don't quite understand why this young girl is on her own in a bus station. No, no. It's, yeah. Anyway, we'll come to that <laughs> as we get more of her background and it only half explaining enough of why she's there. So she introduces herself to them and they place a bet that Haley believes she can beat Jimmy at Double, Double Dragon, Dragon and basically she bets her bus ticket versus them their six dollars and forty five cents yeah. or whatever it is. So they play Ninja Gaiden. No, no, no. no. They, they play, play Double Dragon. They play Double Dragon. And she gets her arse handed to her, basically. And she Because he's the... Is this where they give him the nickname The Wizard, or is that later? In, in, that's in just a minute. He wins. Corey takes the, the money for the ticket, but then the bus drives off, yeah, and they're, they're all abandoned the there. So they go over the road to the cafe, and Jimmy's playing double uh, Ninja Gaiden on a 
like what seems to be a, a table... TV in the tabletop. Yeah, but which it's the did only we one there? Did we have that technology in 1989? I think we did, but it's, it's that a... table is so thin that must have been a flat screen TV. And we no, no, get... no, no. If you look underneath only that table, there's a black box. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's between where their legs go. So they've literally cut a hole in the table yep. and then slotted no, a no, CRT TV I, I, in. <laughs> it's, it's, if you look at the table that's behind theirs... That's a normal table. Yeah, and, but it's a different tabletop mm. and the edge rim is different. Yeah. So it's actually, they. I think they've just built a fake table for them to sit at. So the playing Ninja Guide and that's where Haley goes, oh, he's a wizard. When that's where the Hence name's the title from. Of the film. That's it, Haley. we can turn it off then. That's no, the movie title game. I like We're done. this film. <laughs> you know about the movie title game, though, right? No. So you go into a cinema. It's very expensive. Only rich people can play it because okay. of how expensive the cinema is. You pay to go to the cinema. You sit down and watch a film. And if at any point in the film they say the title of the film, you get up and leave. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, so you, you, the best one is to do it with Tim Burton's Batman. You go in and 10 oh. seconds in, he goes, I'm Batman. Bye. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. So they decide that they can use Jimmy's skills to win a competition called Video Armageddon. 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 Which will win them $50,000. And Hayley says that the only reason she's going to do it is because she'll get half the money. We don't know why she wants the money, but other than, you know... $25,000 being quite a nice amount. Especially when you're that age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so they start their little journey. Putnam then gets to the bus depot just after they leave, and he sees Bo Bridges and Christian Slater arrive. So he knifes their tyres, mm. so they smash up his car with a spade, a spade just before he can get away. Yeah. Which starts a constant and rivalry Bo- between these two. Bo throws the spade like a javelin, he misses by a mile. Jeff would have made that shot. Jeff would have hit the car, yeah, mm. no, you're right. I think Tony right. Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. Okay. <laughs> Iron Man, man. Iron Man, man. Yeah. No, I haven't watched the first Iron Man. Have you ever? I've watched Iron Man yeah. 2. I like, controversial opinion, I like Iron Man 2. Okay. I don't it think was it's right. as bad as people make it out to be. Okay. I, I, it was okay. It was an average film. Yeah, it yeah. Wa- it wastes Mickey Rock. Yes. You might as well just have Sam Rockwell be the main villain in it, because Sam Rockwell is a great actor. Oh, Sam Rockwell's amazing. I mean, Mickey Rock's a great actor, but I'm not a fan of the Russian accent he's doing in that film. No, fair my, enough. My bird. Give my me bird. my bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, surely that makes it better when you've got someone doing a bad accent. Anyway... Haley says her dad's a trucker and that she comes from Reno. We get a bit of an exposition dump of her, mm-hmm. though it's only kind of gives you subtle hints to things that we'll find out a bit more about later. So the important foreshadowing here is that is she, knows she, she knows truckers and quote says there's a trucker code. Yes, which we then get. Well, she says her dad's a trucker, so yeah. that's why she knows truckers. But we yeah. then get proven wrong because the two truckers Truck. they're riding with see that they've got money and, and rob them. Rob them. Yeah, and leave um, them on the side of the road. Which, to be fair, it must have been fun filming. In that back of that truck with that, what I'm assuming were actual live cattle. Yeah, they were live cattle. It was incredible. And they're, they're ducking under them and everything. Yeah, and those yeah. cows are just like, what's going on here? Yeah, they're just like, like can you, we just you, sit here? You're all sucking all my milk out. You're okay, gonna, no, you're, you're gonna, not in the truck. No, no. <laughs> this is what they're thinking about the farmers. You steal all my milk. You're gonna butcher me for a lasagna at some point. Like, and now you've got kids <laughs> climbing all over me. Like, come on, guys. Come on, bro. 
At the garage, to get replacement tyres, Christian Slater is playing Corey's Nez, so we find out that they've got yeah, he just a Nez plugs with a, them. He just plugs a Nez into a stranger's television. Yeah, no one seems to care. He's playing Super Mario Bros. 2, so that's a reference for people. We've got Double Dragon, Ninja Gaiden, and Super Mario Bros. 2 so far. And, and just in case anyone doesn't know, although I guess you'd be living under a rock, you, Nez stands for Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, in America, I think they just call it NES, or the Nintendo. But they tend to do that anyway. They're like Sega Genesis, they call it the Sega, and I'm like, mm. which one name it you anyway not to insult our american listeners uh so so the trio get a lift to another town Haley knows Corey stashed four dollars so decides to use that to basically set up two salesmen in a bar who are playing an arcade yeah like uh, right here's my first problem these two blokes would not be playing a video game in an arcade. In they a, were older a, men as well, weren't they? They, they were, were, they they were, were in their balding 50s, at the time. 50s business. They looked as out of place as our old man Jeff looked hosting Starcade. What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing there for. I don't understand that sign. Oh, Christ. Like, yeah. that's, that's how bad it looked. And they're, they're proper offended, aren't they? To be fair, when she's like, oh, my Frank and well, cause beat you. I think the idea was that they're, they're salesmen, so the idea is that they always are on top. So they're the out idea- for males. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Testosterone. Yeah, exactly. So the fa- oh, the idea that this young boy could possibly best them, this little mm. twat, no. Fuck that, B- Billy Big Bollocks. Yeah, so they mm-hmm. they get owned. and We don't see that, but we just see the, the trio walking down the road having owned the... To I believe this I believe proving that I'm cool. I believe gamers call it pwned. I I don't know. I don't have a horse. So Haley has an idea for where they can spend the night. Uh, so she takes them to a wreckage, like scrap a scrapyard, full of broken up wrecked trucks, and they spend the night inside of the cab of a mm. rusting broken up truck. Haley tells Corey that not, she doesn't love for trucks in this film. Oh no, there's a few. Trucks that are working. That's what I'm saying. Lot, lots oh, of a lot of trucks. Okay, yeah, yeah. There is a lot of I think it'd be hilarious if this film was a prequel to Maximum Overdrive. Well, weirdly enough, I, I, I haven't got this on this particular sheet, but a little bit later, there is one of the trucks driven by a character called Spanky, and we'll come to him in a bit. It has Hawk written on it, and that's mm. actually because it was from two years prior to this film. There was a film called Over the Top starring Sylvester Stallone, mm. and it was Sylvester Stallone's truck from that film right. that they just repurposed. <laughs> 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 Haley tells Corey that she doesn't get scared, so Corey puts on a scary mask and she punches him square in the face. Yes! This was the funniest part of the film, because it's, yeah. it's a gross overreaction. She just full-on knockout yeah. punches and him. The sound of it sounds like Arnold smacking someone with yeah. a tree trunk. It's yeah. quite a meaty punch, yeah. isn't it? It's not, a, um, it's not like a surprise she turns around and he scares when she just reacts. No. With which she looks on him for a full-on five seconds and, and then goes, decision. bang. Never. Yeah, she makes a choice. <laughs> but what makes it so funny is not only does she hit him, but he, he sort of sat in the corner and he full on spins into that corner and then just stays there with his head slammed yeah. up against the I wall. I think the mask actually spins around his face as well. Yeah. So it's like, it looks like his head's rotating. He's quite, <laughs> it was a really good shot. I have to give him that. That was a good joke and a good shot. The next day they're given a lift by some bikers. And we get more of a montage of them travelling, the dad and Slater, and Putnam asking about two kids. 
The one bit of that montage that's memorable was when they drove past a Volkswagen Beetle painted black with black spider legs. Mm. It's like a massive, almost like an art thing. Yeah, you know that's something that the crew just happened to see one day. Oh, yeah. And we're like, fuck it, let's film this. Yeah, it was an absolutely incredible piece of work. I wonder if it's still there. Because uh, that's obviously in someone's yard or mm. in some, you know, on someone's property. So, yeah. Now, there's a game called F1 Dream. I can't remember what the actual game's meant to be. They call it F1 Dream. But from all my research, it's not because it's not an F1 car. Is this the one that's called um, Skidmark? No, 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 no. Oh. No, no, it's not. <laughs> there's a game called Skidmark. There <laughs> is. It's by Rareware. Who made Goldeneye and Perfect Dark and Banjo Kazooie? Goldeneye, or leather. I've never played any of those games you just listed. Well, just because you're a fool. <laughs> Emulate them. Anyway, some kids threaten Corey, but are scared off by a waitress. And then another kid in this cafe says that Jimmy could never beat Lucas. And they're like, take us to see this Lucas. And we have the most 1980s reveal of a villain that there possibly could be of. Lucas sitting there, lounging back on this chair. Mullet. Black cho- yeah, mullet. Sunglasses. And black shades. Great big Ray-Ban shades. Yeah. Just staring off into the distance. Yeah. Just like, you know, pouting a little bit. Like, yo, I'm Lucas. What up? Now, he challenges them to play any one of his 97 games which is a lot for the time. Most people now going, I've emulated more than that just last week. <laughs> but Who would time, do such a thing? <laughs> owning 97 games is quite, a, quite an achievement, to be mm. fair. So when he takes them into his hut, I don't know where they are, they seem to be on a beach and in a hut, but he takes them into this hut, and there's a TV there with an Ez, and he gets out this... Briefcase. <laughs> it's not a briefcase, it's more like a... It's like a a musical instrument flight case. Mm. Like, it's proper hardcore for, like, yeah. so it doesn't get damaged. It opens up, and there is the Nintendo Power Glove. Now, anyone who knows anything about this film knows what's coming up. They basically go, what's that? He goes, it's the Power Glove. He puts the Power Glove on, and Do you plays just want to tell game. the audience what a Power Glove was? Sorry, yes. So, the Power Glove is literally an arm-length glove. It goes up to about the elbow, and on top of it is video game controls. It's a peripheral, a peripheral for the NES. Yes, yeah? by Nintendo. It's an official peripheral. And the idea was it's kind of, I suppose, one of their first forays into motion controls. Mm. So before, like, good 20-odd years before the Wii, they were trying this with this gloves. And the idea was that you basically only move your arm around. Like, So for this game he's playing, he's playing a racing yeah, game. Yeah, because what are the buttons actually for? Because he didn't use those at all. No, he? he pressed them, but when he pressed the buttons, they made the sound of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. When he pressed the buttons. But that's the only time he uses them. I, I, to be honest, I've never used a power glove. So I don't know what the buttons would be used for. Mm. However, I know that the idea is in the film... He puts his hand out like he's holding onto a car steering, steering wheel and tilts his arm around as if he's driving using the steering wheel. Infamously, the Power Glove was a terrible piece of kit. Never really worked. Much like the Wii remotes, but actually worse than the Wii remotes. They say Wii remotes work. No, they don't. They do. I've got a Nintendo eh, Wii. half work. But I've the, never had a problem with my Wii remotes. Why do you think they had to release the extra bit you add to the bottom to make them more accurate? Because the original Wii remotes weren't have... sensitive enough and didn't work properly. I don't have those extra bits. So okay, might want to have a look into that. They're, they're not that accurate. They work fine for me. Well, they work fine if you're pointing and clicking at the screen, but not for actual motion control. 
To be fair, I should be clear, the literal only games I play on my Wii are the Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles. Right, so and you won't be Chronicles using the game. motion controls for those. You're just oh, and I did, I, did, I did Sonic and the Secret Rings on it as well. Oh, and that's crap. Which was a garbage game. It's a garbage game. All the Sonic fans love it. I hate it. But anyway, let's move on from that. So he plays this game, and for some reason, just playing it to a decent degree terrifies and demoralises our heroes. He then turns around, does Lucas... Holding the power glove to his chest, says... I love the power glove. It's so bad. Now, (laughs) this is going into worse lines. Are you creaming yourself again, sir? And you've got it all down your crotch. Oh, shit. You've creamed so far down yourself, Well, sir. you know, we're talking about The Nintendo games. Power Glove. It's just so sexual. Was, was it the Power Glove that I did what, it? I wonder what it feels like to masturbate with a Power Glove. Oh. <laughs> I bet it's so bad. Are you rubbing cream on your eyes? Yes, keep talking. Go on. I'm talking about you. Right. No, talk about <laughs> the movie, Way man. more fascinating. I'm moisturising because my skin was dry. Okay. And I've, recent, I've recently been told how bad it is that I don't have a skincare routine. Oh, really? And how it's going to make me look much older than I actually am. But you're already 78. I know, exactly. I don't want to look 88. <laughs> so, yeah. I love the Power Glove. It's so bad. <laughs> the idea for anyone who doesn't remember the late 80s is that bad was being used as a positive. Yeah. A bit like, like Michael sick. Jackson's bad. Yeah, a bit like yeah. how we used sick in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, Sick. So, yeah, it's so bad was meant to say it's so good. The irony being that the quote is actually more accurate without the slang. Yeah, it's just bad. It's just bad. Corey gets jealous thinking Lucas is into Haley and says, yeah, fine, so long as you don't touch her. Which is an interesting quote because of what happened with the actor who played Lucas later when he got done for having uh, touched children inappropriately. Jesus. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> did not age well, that quote. Did not age well. So we get to Bo Bridges and Christian Slater in a motel. Slater can't sleep and tries to share a heartfelt moment with his dad. But the minute he mo- mentions Jennifer, who is referenced earlier, has something to do with Jimmy, but we don't fully know yet. The dad sort of gets apathetic to him, just doesn't. It's just like, yeah, great, it's time for bed. Pisses off. He's Christian a man. Slater. Yeah, he's an eighties man. So because the dad blows him off, Christian Slater starts moaning, brings in the Nez, and plays Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Very specifically, of course, I have to mention what the game is and what isn't he's that, doing. Isn't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles famously a really difficult game as well? It is quite a hard game. Well, I you, think, you know, I think I'm thinking of Battletoads actually. Battletoads is even harder for damn sure. The next morning. We end up with Christian Slater in the bed and Bo Bridges playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so which kind of shows that the whole family have some sort of bent towards playing these mm. video games. Just like that, a video game addict is born. Ah, there you go. So the trio awake in, the abandoned ca- in some abandoned cabin, and Jimmy's reverted back to building the structures because of his humiliation from Lucas. Though I don't fully understand the humiliation since he never actually played Lucas. Yeah. He just kind of got terrified of the power glove. And the power glove never comes back, so I suppose that's why he holds his nerve. Haley realizes Jimmy is jealous of the idea that Haley could be into Lucas. That's a kind of the suggestion, anyway. And then the aggressive teens that they fought off in the cafe that the waitress scared away drive up in a truck and try and steal Jimmy's lunchbox, thinking there's money in it. Mm. Just turns out there's photos in there. They punch Corey in the face until basically Haley says, "Just give them the money and they'll go." Yeah. Then, this is a, a ch- part of the Chekhov's gun. Right at the beginning, Corey gives Jimmy a hat for, like, from his dad's firm. 
Mm. And he goes, yeah, we're going to California. At this point, one of the teens steals the hat and goes, thanks for the hat, and buggers off with it. That will come into importance later. It's really weird what they choose to be important in this film. Like It's like the hat, the lunchbox. The, it seems to be things that are kind of normally in a film you'd think are irrelevant. Yeah. And then the other things that seem massive. Oh, it's great into games. Oh, what? So they're going to do... They're going to play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, no, that's just what these dudes are playing in the hotel for some reason. Oh, why focus on it then? <laughs> it adds nothing. Corey says Jennifer was Jimmy's twin and that she drowned right in front of Jimmy. Christian Slater's character, Nick, was meant to be watching them, but failed, and therefore she ended up drowning without any supervision, which destroyed the family, basically, because that caused sour grapes between Nick and the mum, and therefore the mum and the dad, and the dad and Nick, So it kind of, which is why Nick has been stealing his truck and going drinking and not really care, giving a toss about anything. Corey tries to leave, and Haley calls him a quitter, and just before Corey decides that, you know, this is it, we're not doing this anymore, it's over, Jimmy says, I don't want to quit. And they get all excited and decide, no, we're not going to quit then, we're going to go on. We're going to do this thing. So let's just talk for a minute about this tragedy that's now revealed. Yes. So basically the tragedy is the parents were shit parents and weren't watching their kids properly. Um, well, Nick was meant to be watching them at the time. So Nick's a shit older Watch brother. It. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he was still only really a kid at the time, I would imagine. Right, okay. You know, so it's kind of, yeah, it's one of those things where they expected him to be a little bit more responsible than he was, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And they kind of still half blame him. It's a complicated scenario, and I'd kind of appreciate that, is it's not quite as black and white as it first seems. So Putnam goes into the arcade and asks the kid about the trail, and the kid mugs him off. I really enjoyed that. Mm. There's, he goes, I'm looking for a couple of kids. This one's a mental case. Have you seen him? Does he dress like you? No. Well, you couldn't be too much of a case, all right? <laughs> all right, this kid is just roasting this dude. Bo Bridges catches up and runs three times into Putnam's car, breaking his own truck more than Putnam's now half-demolished vehicle. And the third impact makes the truck break down completely. The trio reach Reno, which is basically a mini Las Vegas, and they have three days to train Jimmy on all the games that they think might be at Video Armageddon. Yes. The irony being that at Video Armageddon, they only play Ninja Gaiden, and then they play a game that isn't yet released. Mm. So there was no training they could have done to build up for that one. So they might have just played video, but Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, so it kind of makes a little bit less sense, but whatever. So they train him up on all these games. They get all this money because they ask a trucker friend of Haley's, called Spanky, to gamble and Haley happens to know the best way to gamble to get the most money mm. on a game called Craps which sounds like swearing but isn't <sighs> so at this point this is when Putnam tracks them down to the arcade yes so they, they call the Nintendo gameplay counsellors to uh, give them help on all the games we see a, a selection of games I'll only name a couple Mega Man Simon's Quest Metroid Skid Marks which is the one that you referenced mm. Ninja Gaiden TMNT Super Mario Brothers Contra. Team, all that stuff. Contra yeah and then Putnam catches up with them but on the way in he's on a phone call to the kid's mum and she says that she's coming with them everyone sort of now knows where they're headed towards mm. Video Armageddon and Bo Bridges finds the teen at a truckside restaurant and takes his hat, yeah. finds out from Lucas, who also, for some reason, happens to be at the truck stop, 
that they're going to video Armageddon. So everyone is now on the same page. Everyone's going to video Armageddon. It is also mentioned they're 500 miles from Los Angeles. Bowbridge's truck is pulled by Putnam. Putnam has a... It has it towed. Towed, yeah. And by the time Bowbridge's reaches it again, it's already half stripped for parts. It's mostly gone. And that's when Putnam catches up with the trio in Reno. Right. right. So that, that's where we are. Did you want to go from that point? So he is asking around the arcade and the, the resort in general, asking if people have seen, seen his son and he's showing pictures of Jimmy. And he catches hold of Corey. Yeah. I want to say Connor for some reason. Yeah. He catches hold of Corey and he's like, where's your brother? And some helpful waitress, despite seeing this grown man grabbing a child, is like, oh, he's in the arcade. So he goes and he grabs Jimmy. At which point, Haley thinks of a genius way <laughs> to uh, save them, which, to be fair, it works. Like, to be fair, just... you, you stated that that's what they should do before it happened in the film. Yeah. But then well, she, realize... so she actually does it earlier in the film. She does a bit. She, when she first meets Corey and Jimmy, she half does it. Yeah. And then basically, so what she does is, right, first of all, let's just talk about the ridiculousness of this scene. Putnam is full-on manhandling this child. Yeah, picking and him a, up, like, sideways. Yeah, and a security guard is right there Doing and nothing. does nothing until Haley screams and goes... He touched my breast! Yes. Now, Putnam's defence for this, which I'm pretty sure wouldn't hold up in a court of law, <laughs> is how could I touch her breast? She has no breasts. Yeah, not not the strongest legal defence I could think of. No. I touched her breast. She doesn't have any breasts. He could have said it's a lie because it genuinely was a lie. Yeah, he hasn't not, done that. Yeah, not, oh, it doesn't make sense. She hasn't got boobs. It's like, no, dude, that just makes it sound like you're still rubbing her because she didn't have boobs, which is yeah. worse in some ways. I don't know. Um, it's weird. So anyway, they, they interfere. Jimmy manages to get away. And they and all they... go back to Haley's home. Yeah. So we're in, So they take a cab back to Haley's home because they're not safe in Reno. And it turns out it's a dusty motorhome and that, Basically, there's not much going on in her parents' life because of money. Yeah, her mum's an ex-showgirl, isn't she? No, that she said that when they were in the truck before they got robbed mm. earlier in the film, but that may, that may be true, but it's not part of this. She says her, that her mum was a gambler, because at that point yeah. she also says her mum has checked out. And then at this point, so, which suggests her mum might be dead. Yeah. But at this point, all we find out is that her mum was a gambler, which is how she knows about craps. And she wanted to take the, her, tw- her half of the uh, 50 grand, which would be 25 grand, to put money down on a house. Mm. Corey misreads the room and goes to kiss her, which she turns him down aggressively and then kisses him anyway. Yeah, so she turns him down. He does the most 80s whiny boy response ever and suggests that she might be a lesbian. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was like, yeah, it was like, I, I don't know what makes you think I would ever want to kiss a boy. And he goes, what about kissing girls? It's like, yeah, smooth, mate, smooth. Well done. Yeah. So then, to be fair, he is only 12. Yeah, yeah, he's not mastered the art of tact yet. <laughs> so she then responds... Still a shit response. Yeah, she responds to that by aggressively kissing him back. And what do you know? Who could have seen it come in? She kind of likes it. Yeah. And she has a bit of a giggle to herself, doesn't she? That's the one. The next morning... Corey wakes up and realises Jimmy has left his lunchbox somewhere, which is very unlike Jimmy. Mm. Looks outside and Jimmy has been picked up and kidnapped by Putnam. Yeah. And Putnam's tracked them down and has kidnapped him and buggers off. 
Haley goes, really, Corey? Did you really think he had a chance? Yeah, I think he might have even been better than Lucas. So she walks back and he goes, where are you going? You think I don't have friends? I got friends. So as Putnam is driving away with Jimmy in the back, basically talking like a dickhead to Jimmy, we see two trucks following him, one on each side of the road. (laughs) And then as he comes up between these two big rocks, there's two other trucks, big articulated lorries, parked... On both sides of the road, so now he's trapped. The other two park up behind him, and he gets out to shout at them, I want to see all your license plates numbers, all this stuff. Spanky and three other big burly men get out. And he goes, you know, what are you going to do, huh? What are you all doing here? And then Spanky says, so you touched her breast, huh? And he's just like, oh, God, no. (laughs) And you just hear the sound of him being hit and then yeah. you see him with a light all he's big got is a black eye, eye. yeah he uh, he got off lightly i reckon well yeah so i reckon really if you had four they probably would have taught him a leap yeah so you touched her breast huh oh my god all right all right let's not lose our temper it's very hot Spanky drives the trio to Los Angeles and specifically to Universal Studios. Now, this is the other thing. Most people talk about the Ninten- the blatant Nintendo advertising in this film, mm. which is there. You can't get around it. We've, I mean, I've even skipped someone. We've still named a shed load of games. Yeah. Um, but Universal Studios actually made this film, and it is a big advertisement for them as much yeah, as it yeah, is Yeah, the entire Nintendo. last act takes place at Universal Studios. Absolutely. And there's things... So, when they enter Universal Studios, they see Dracula. I saw Woody Woodpecker in there. Oh. Yeah, he's in there. There's uh, some sort of cartoon character that I've never seen before. Later on, we see Frankenstein's monster. There's, you know, a whole selection of the Universal monsters are in this park. Mm. So... They're, they're advertising themselves quite well. So the trio enter Video Armageddon. You had something to say about the guy who was at the door. Oh, just an interesting note. He is the same guy who many, many years later played Earl, Jay's rival in the closet business in Modern Family. Yep. Also, he's really intense he, in this. Yeah, well, he is in Modern He's He is in everything I've seen him in. Because mm. he's also in... Oh, he's in another film... Oh, I'll tell you what he's in. He's in Californication. Californication. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he plays a rival agent to Charlie Runkle, who is gay. That's it. So he, um, basically, he's this agent. Charlie starts working for him, and they're trying to sign this actor, this big-name Hollywood actor who's just come out as gay. Right. And he's insistent that his agent has to be gay as well. Because right. he wants an agent who, quote, understands him. So Charlie has, in order to sign the client, has lied about being gay. And the actor recommends that he uh, downloads Grinder. And we're all familiar with Grinder, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he downloads Grinder and almost immediately gets a hit from a nearby guy who wants him to come and like suck his dick and he's all like oh no no I'm in a business meeting it's fine and this guy this actor whose name I actually don't know I should have looked it up proper aggressively is like go to the stall and suck his dick Charlie <laughs> um, but no he um, fun note about this guy though not to shit on his performance he blatantly looks at the camera at one yeah, point quite early on like, in the, in like the, really well, blatantly 10 seconds but yeah he, he does clearly look at the camera as they enter the video Armageddon we see that Lucas has won his round so it looks like they've done three rounds prior we missed the first one but we do get the winner of that in the final so there's one more round left which Jimmy competes in playing Ninja Guy 
Raiden and wins that, so he becomes one of the three in the final. We find out that the other one, other than Lucas, is a woman called Moira, yeah. who's literally parachuted in to basically lose and fill up space. Kind um, of looks like Moaning Myrtle from the Harry Potter films as well. Maybe. A little bit. I haven't really watched Harry Potter. <laughs> Um, and let's talk about the presenter here, shall yes, we? Yes, the host. Because the, the host, uh, who I recognised, even though he doesn't have hair in the other film I've known him in, uh, he is in the Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah. He's the leader of the island people, who's very intense. He's, he's, he's sounds intense like he's in smoked, this, isn't he? Yeah, he sounds like he's smoked about 100 fags. Yeah. Cigarettes for people in America. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's a slang word we use in Britain that is also sometimes used as a horrible slur. You know, we, we do not mean it as the slur. He likes, we mean it to yeah. mean cigarettes. Clearly he likes fags, you know, they're so bad. <laughs> just going to try and mix slang and see what happens. Do you, do you want to just cut this bit out and just redo the line saying cigarettes? No. Okay, your funeral. We're British. It's a British Doesn't word. matter, the internet has no forgiveness. Well, I don't care. I do care. <laughs> anyway, the host is over the top. Uh, Putnam arrives and heads for the video Armageddon. And it's revealed that Lucas, Moira and Jimmy are the final three. And that they'll be competing on the stage on a game that nobody has played before. We see Putnam getting harassed by Frankenstein's monster before running into their children's mum and Mr. Bateman. Lucas then sees Putnam in the crowd as all the kids... Exit video Armageddon. Armageddon is back. And then points them out to Putnam. It's at this point we see a super young Toby Maguire with mullet and pink mullet. t-shirt. Yep, absolutely. Very greasy mullet as well. What's your fucking hair, Toby? <laughs> yeah, you tell Spider-Man. Yeah, we'll tell Spider-Man. <laughs> well, you should have been wearing pure silk. Mm. Since that's what spiders weave. Is it? It is silk, isn't yeah, it? it is yeah. Silk, yeah. There you go. Silk comes from the butts of Chinese worms. That's a quote from Bill and Ted Two, by the way. <laughs> I've never seen Bill and Ted oh, Two. Okay. I've only seen the first one. <gasps> I love Bill and Ted Two. It's my favourite. Anyway, the trio go on the run through Universal Studios tour, literally going on the. They go on the King Kong ride, don't yeah, they? And they jump out and have to run around the pyrotechnic sort of backstage area of the King Kong ride. Yeah, generic family movie-style chase begins. Absolutely. And eventually they wind up above Video Armageddon. I don't know why the King Kong ride is on top of Video Armageddon. It seems like a very impractical place to put it, and in fact isn't paid off, I think, by the exteriors, but never mind that. They shout down to ask Lucas to delay the start but of course he doesn't because he's, he's afraid he'll lose to Jimmy yeah so they have to find another way down they descend into a, from a small lift and that's the last we see of them until the host is panicking because Jimmy's, not, Jimmy's there. not there so he announces the first like Moira and Lucas and then he goes Jimmy 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 and he's not there. He doesn't say it like that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so eventually he just decides to start without Jimmy. And as the the entire set pulls away... Yeah, like a big... It's like a vault door, isn't it? Yeah. And as that... Now, I'll admit, this was the only shot in the whole film I thought was cool. As that lifts up, it reveals that Jimmy is there waiting at his podium. Yeah. Um, and you get a fairly cinematic-looking shot in an otherwise fairly bland-looking movie, in my opinion. Okay. And that was a good moment. It was like a hero reveal type yes. thing. Yes, yeah, it was very well done. And then it's revealed what that the game that they are playing is Super Mario Brothers. Three! <laughs> 
Now, the interesting information about this, Super Mario Bros. 3 wasn't out in America until a few months after this film was released. So this was actually the first video of Super Mario Bros. 3 that Americans could get could actually go and see mm. because there wasn't really any TV shows about video games at the time, certainly not magazine-style shows, and obviously video game magazines of the era would have just had sort of blurry photos that they'd taken of CRT screens. So this was the first time they could actually witness Super Mario Bros. 3 in action. However, Super Mario Bros. 3 had been out in Japan for over a year. The problem was, it's, it's quite a unique reason why this film was made, is that actually there was a delay in releasing it in America, mm. because between 1988 and 89, there was a ROM chip shortage. So they Kind of like the graphic card shortage we've got at the minute. Absolutely. So what they had to do was delay until they could get enough ROM chips to do a proper launch. Yeah. But in the meantime, they could use the Japanese ROM to film all the segments I'm, for the film. I'm surprised they didn't use that to their advantage. Fun fact, I don't know if you know this, I also don't know if this counts as, uh, I don't know if this counts as slander, okay. um, but as far as I'm aware, it's a true fact. Uh, one of Nintendo's key business strategies whenever they release a new console is they deliberately don't send enough out to manufacturers yes. so that nearly every console they do they can claim has been a sellout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's quite common. They've done that a lot with different with different consoles. Nintendo are very infamous for that. Yeah. Hey, Nintendo, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> as, as you're aware on the Video Game Movie Podcast, J- the J-Man is not a Nintendo stan. No, that's not true. Not a Nintendo stan at all, except your GameCube. Your GameCube was a cool console. GameCube was I cool. I missed the mini I like the N64 as well. No, I'm a fan of the Nintendo 64. What kind of psycho designed your controller? Oh, yeah, I've got three hands to hold it's it. It's a with. Trident. Yeah, why? Because I like Trident. But how do you fucking play it? Well, you no, genuinely, I'd love to know this, because I could not work you don't out use the third, You don't use the bit on the left, ever. But what happens... What, not on the left? The bit on the left you don't use at all. You just use the centre bit and the right-hand side. So you're like this? Yeah, and you don't use the left. That's just there to keep the other hand in place, I suppose. <laughs> you never what? get You never get to use the L button or the diagonal pad. Like Are they the, ever used for D-pad. anything? Are they used in any games? About two or three games. That's it. Because not everyone realised you couldn't use them both. Because you've got three hands. Point is, it's a stupid console. It is stu- well, GameCube's where it's at. GameCube even had a little handle on it so you could carry it places. Yeah, but Nintendo fucked up the games on the second half of the GameCube's life. Oh, yeah, of course they did. Because they were too interested in Wii, which was a terrible yeah, console. The, the only games worth playing on it were the Resident Evil remake. And uh, Resident no, Evil no, Zero, not true. And F- Resident Evil 4. F-Zero GX. It's a racing game. I hate Luigi's racing Mansion. games. I'd be interested to play that. Yeah. I would be interested to play Luigi's Time Mansion. Too, uh, I think, I th- I think those elsewhere. I think there were a few good Zelda games on there. Was Twilight Princess? Uh, Twilight Princess was on there, as was Wind Waker. But the only thing I I didn't really like Wind Waker when it came out. But I did like one thing about it. So there was a Game Boy Advance game of Zelda that came out at the same time, and you could have the Game Boy Link cable for the mm. GameCube. You plug in at the same time, and it would create something called Tingle's Quest. And my brother would be playing Wind Waker because I say I wasn't really that big a fan. And the whole point of Tingle's Quest on the Game Boy Advance was that a second person could go through the map in a 2D playing field on the Game Boy Advance and find bits like select areas that like to guide the the player on the main game to secrets and things like that that only Tingle could see, which was a great idea. That's a cool idea. The only problem is is when you're a younger brother and therefore a twat because what would happen is when you select an area and it didn't have to have anything in it either. That's the real key. You just hover him over an area and press the A button to call the player. And what would happen when you press the A button was on Wind Waker, 
everything would stop, mm. the camera would tilt to the direction that Tingle is in, mm. and you'd hear Tingle go, Hey! Right? Now you just spam A. <laughs> so the faint player oh. can't travel anywhere, and all you, you have devil. is Tingle going, Hey! You demonic hey! son of a gun. Oh, it was so funny. Of right. course, my brother didn't see it that way. No. So, <laughs> you guys aren't stupid. You've seen enough films. You all know where this is going. Yep. We have an intense battle between the three. Yeah, let's clearly, be- Moira's going to win, right? Absolutely. She's clearly not just... you know. This she, char- winded, she winded the modern age because she's the only woman on the stage. <laughs> you said that. I ain't going to go there. But, um, but obviously, after Jimmy watching ends Welcome up to Re- Welcome to Raccoon City... Let's let's not. Anyway, yeah. So, so obviously Jimmy wins. Yeah. Mini wave celebration, blah blah blah. Reconciliation between the family. It's all yep. good. Even Putnam Put- shouts, "Whoa, yeah, I know that kid. Way to go!" <laughs> uh, and at this point, Putnam is discharged from the movie. Yeah, he's just thrown yeah. out. Um, um, so they get they're, to the finale. So they're driving. They're driving back home in two separate cars, and Jimmy sees a statue of a Diplodocus, a dinosaur. Or a brontosaurus. It might be a brontosaurus, actually. It's a dinosaur, for sure. Um, out by the side of the road. And starts pointing and yelling, California! And Jesus they're like, dude. <laughs> sorry, California. And they're like, dude, dude, we're in California. Like, what are you California, California. So they pull over, and he runs inside the dinosaur, because there's a little door yep. that lets you get in it. And inside's like a little museum type yep. thing. yep. And he he hides in this little hiding place, and they all go up there, and they allow Corey to go in and talk to him. Yeah. And this is where we find that, basically, this was the last place they went as a whole complete family and the ha- with, Jenny, yeah, with Jenny, where they were happy. Yeah. And he wanted to come here again to leave the lunchbox filled with pictures and mementos i think it had some of her shoes in it i know yeah yeah it was happy memories and stuff it was basically to say goodbye and honor her memory yeah um and this is the point that's clearly meant to tug at your heartstrings but if you're like me by this point you just want the film to hurry up and end so you're you're like this film i could tell what you're trying to do and this should be a nice moment but i don't care so let's wrap this up you're heartless um so they, yeah, they, they then go, uh, basically the mum tells so, Bo so Bridges they... to take our sons home, yep. all three of them, yep. So and then she says, and we'll discuss it when we get home. So clearly the, the, the implication being that she's going to allow better custody rights, I'm guessing, yeah, is the implication. So. And that's, is that how it ends? They just all drive that's, off into yeah, the sunset? Yeah, they drive into the sunset, all the kids on the back of the truck kiss each other, it seems. They do, yeah. I, I thought we were about to see that infamous deleted scene from It. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, the uh, the kids get lost in the tunnels beneath the city. Right. And the only way the kids... Bear my Stephen King was doing a ton of cocaine when he wrote <laughs> this. The only way they can get out is due to some weird mystical bullshit. They have to, quote, lose their innocence. Oh. Uh, so in this group of about eight ch- kids, there's only one girl... So the seven boys take it in turns... <laughs> I mean, that would be losing innocence in a very to, Christian way, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, they take it in turns to bang their friend. Interestingly, that scene's never been adapted in any of the movie adaptations of it. No, and uh, quite rightfully so. <laughs> so I've only... That's the end of the film. Um, I've got a couple of bits of trivia, and then we'll talk about sort of final thoughts, because most of the trivia we've actually gone over during the discussion of it. So the smoking casserole, that was done at the beginning. Basically, Bo Bridges cooks the casserole. We mentioned it at the start, mm-hmm. and he's burnt it to all crap. 
The smoking casserole was done using something called AB smoke, mm-hmm. which essentially where you put one chemical on the casserole first, and then you apply another one afterwards, and the reaction causes the smoke. Mm. The smell was disgusting, so the young boy's faces of what the hell is that was quite real, but also when Bo Bridges ate a piece and he looked grossed out, that was a real reaction because it tastes foul. So you mean the one good bit of acting Bo Bridges did in this wasn't even good acting? <laughs> Off. Bo Bridges was good in this film. He wasn't. I admit, we demand Jeff. He's not Oscar winning, sure, but he's good enough. He was all right. And then the last bit really is that the when they're on the Universal tour, the guy who's hosting the Universal tour, like basically reading out to everyone what's going on, mentions a movie called Mayhem in Monte Carlo, which stars Jar Jar Gabor mm. and Pee Wee Herman, also known as Paul Rubens. Mm. This film doesn't exist. It never existed. Yeah. So um, the the question I would have on that, though, well, I couldn't find an answer. I think was... that's meant to be a, the joke because Pee Wee Herman is a certain kind of character, and Jar Jar Gabor is a very glamorous socialite type woman but who was always wearing mm. fur stoles and things like that. Sure. Though it does make me wonder if perhaps Universal had a plan to make that film, and then poor <laughs> Ruben got caught jerking off in a theatre, so they cancelled it. Yeah. Was that then, though? When did he get caught jerking off in the theatre? I think that was about ten years after that, actually. Oh, okay. After this, he did Batman Forever, didn't he? No, Batman Batman Begins. No, not Batman Begins. What's he called? Paul Rubens was in... Batman Returns. Yes. He's Penguin's father, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Paul Rubens. So that's that's all our notes. Mm. Uh, So... So, Rory, what was the runtime of this film? Yes. The runtime of this film was 100 minutes. So not 10,000 hours? No. Okay, interesting. See, I don't know what you're talking about. I really enjoyed this film. Okay, I'll give my... I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit for comedic effect, but... Because there's there's not technically anything wrong with the film. It's certainly not like watching a Nouveau Bowl film no. where there's where it's riddled with incompetent filmmaking. At least you're saying I, that. I'm glad for that. Yeah, yeah. It just. I, do you know what? I think partially this may be your fault as well because I think you oversold. I think you 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 very much enjoyed this movie. I mean, you've seen this film what about five times this year? Yes, and I um, hadn't seen it before, so it's not. Yeah. it's not. But a lot of people go, oh, "It's probably only nostalgia." Why I like it? No, not for me yeah. at all. I think you've. I think I set my expectations a bit too high because you were like that. Sure. It, yeah, in theory, all the pieces are there. The kids were actually good, which that's another compliment I can give it yeah. because most child actors are awful. Yep. But these guys were actually good for the most part. There's the odd line delivery, especially from Haley, where you're just like, "Oh, kid, you needed a second take on that." Yeah. Um, but it just—I don't know. It just never clicked into the emotional slot in my head. Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't know if you get this, but you know, sometimes all the best films, you sit down to watch them, and you feel, you feel yourself click in to the movie, you know? I like, find that doesn't happen a lot with video game-based movies. No, but like... it's but like, Yeah, I know what you mean. To, to use a video game analogy, it's like when you smoothly slot a cartridge into a Sega Mega Drive, and it just smooth... You know, if you get it wrong, it's hard, but sometimes it just smoothly slides in, clicks in, you feel yeah, that yeah. satisfying click. I get that with a film, like, I'll be sat there, and I'll just be like, and I'm invested. I, we talked about Welcome to Raccoon City. I got it when um, when the zombie was in the forest looking out at 
Claire, which you, see, you didn't like. No, no. And so, I was see, just that's like, the, that's the difference because I didn't. I never slotted into Welcome no, to Raccoon City. But I was. Like, I didn't think it was a bad film. Yeah. But as you can tell by our review, but mm. yeah, I never slotted into that one. Yeah, but for the, at that moment, I was like, I'm in. When I watch, you know, uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street, like that very first, that it happens very early in Nightmare on Elm Street for me, like where it is literally when Tina first wakes up and realizes she's got the claws in her right. thing. I was just like, I'm in. This is, I'm on. This I never slotted in. There was something about it. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the acting, the scripting, because as I say, all the ingredients are there that this should be a good movie. And it's... I don't know. It just I never felt engaged by it. I don't regret having seen it. I'll never watch it again. At least not by choice. Okay. Um, I'm sure at some point I'll be strapped down by you with a gun to my head and be like, <laughs> watch it! Watch a proper I, emotional my eyelids, film! My eyelids taped open. I've never seen you watch an emotional film, though. You talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. You talk yeah, about, but you this know... thing, not in front of you, but like uh, on my old podcast, I was routinely mocked because it was an all ma- it was all male hosts yeah. on that, and you know testosterone. I was routinely mocked because I love romantic comedies and I love like sweet, tender love stories. Yeah, and but stuff that's not like the that. same as like innocent stories. I don't know. Maybe I just couldn't relate to it because of the time period or something. I-, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't. Maybe it was just the wrong day to watch it because I find that happen. I don't know if you've ever had that. Yeah. Sometimes you'll watch a movie and you'll be like, "Oh, that's not that good," and then years later you see it again. And you're like, "What was I talking about?" Mm. Um, my friend Dave on Jamie Your Film Taste Sucks he literally during our Halloween month he said he had that experience with Rosemary's Baby he saw it the first time and he was like eh it's alright and then he saw it a second time and was like this is amazing right so maybe yeah maybe I do need to see it again something I'll say for myself so again I've got no history with this film outside of 2021 I bought a cheap version of it as I stated earlier because I expected it to be garbage it's only really known for the power glove quote Mm. it's not really known for being an emotional film or for being a great film it's known for the cheesy lines and the Nintendo advertising so I didn't expect much I watched it, enjoyed it so much, I bought and imported another version of it, so I now have two. But it wasn't just me. For me, as you say, some things just click. This just clicked to me. Mm. And it wasn't just me either. I showed it to my my partner, Susie. Now, she is not at all into video games. In fact, if I play too much video games, as in I play a game for two days on the trot... Uh, she will be very angry with me <laughs> for wasting my time. She's really not into games. She appreciates that I like video games, but she's really not a fan of them and she doesn't play them herself. So she has literally zero connection to almost any of the subject material and sort of the video game side. She certainly has no fond memories of things like that. She didn't grow up with video games. Even though she's our age, she just didn't grow up with them because they whoa, weren't in the household. Whoa, whoa, don't Don't our age, like we're the same age, man. How old are you? I don't want to say. That's a shame. Because they are 58 now, aren't you? Because <laughs> I can quote anything. I'm 30. You're 30. So you're five years younger than me. Exactly. Five years is a whole a whole wedge of difference. Is it? Well, it probably was, actually. Because, I mean, you remember the 80s. I wasn't alive in the 80s. You were, born, you were born while the Berlin Wall still stood. That's true. <laughs> Damn, that's a good point. The, technically, the Soviet Union still existed when you were born. Eh, I don't know and, what that voice and was. And Margaret Thatcher was still Prime Minister. Lucky well, actually, me. Actually, I think she may have just been Prime Minister no, when I was, was born. Because wasn't it 91 she went? Yes, yes it was. Yeah. Um, and t- well, to be fair, what was your first... C- I'm curious about this. We might have talked about this on the pilot episode, but I can't remember. What was your first ever gaming console? Uh, Sega Master System. 
mum was a Mega Drive. Mm. So yeah, I'm a one generation behind. I, w- I will say though, when we got the Mega Drive, uh, sorry, the Master System, it had Sonic with it. So it was the Mega Drive was already out. It was 90, right. about 1991 that we got it. Oh, 91, 92. So. It, yeah, from that point. Uh, I did have an Amiga, which obviously started yeah. in eighty five. In- interestingly, though, I am I'm a bigger PlayStation fan than you are. Maybe that's got something to do with age as well. Because I was I was very young still when PS One came out. I just wasn't a fan of the PlayStation. Though I've in in retrospect, I've gained respect for the first PlayStation. Mm. I've never gained. I don't think I'll ever gain respect for the PlayStation Two. See, I think the PS Two. The PS2 rested on its laurels, and I the, didn't the, like the that. beauty of the PS2, which, whilst I will agree, I will agree, it was a very simplistic console. The beauty of the because because I was a Sega fan, yeah. Like I would not have got a PS2 if it weren't for the fact that Dreamcast died a death, and I would have stuck with Sega forever because um, I was just yeah, yeah, a same. hardcore Sega kid. I get that. The beauty of PS2 was by luck or by crook. They had the widest selection of games in that generation. Yes. And that's what I think attracted so many people to them. Sure. Because it was just, look, you can get almost every game on this console. Mm, yeah. Except all the good ones. Now, Jackin. Now, there was some great. Code Veronica X. Which was on the Dreamcast. Don't, no, in Japan doesn't count. It does count. No, what was I supposed to do at 10 years old? Import from it's Japan? Not point. It's not the point. You stated that Veronica X is a PlayStation 2 game. The PlayStation 2 version is a port. But what's the point of being English if you can't have the arrogance of assuming the world revolves around you? uh, That's that's like our number one trait of English people, (laughs) is we assume that we still have an empire and the world still bows down to us, even though they're actually all laughing at us. Yeah, right. But yeah, as I was saying, Susie enjoyed this (laughs) Jesus tangent, much or what? <laughs> um, Susie enjoyed this film purely on the emotional, character-driven side, and actually, films that have a similar leaning, though obviously not, don't have any of the video game stuff in it, include films like Kikajiro, uh, which was made about well, not quite ten years later, by Beat Takeshi Kitano. Mm-hmm. So you can find a, there's like that's a similar sort of idea that you have these people travelling, but that's with an adult man and a young boy rather than being with a trio. Not like that. Though something like that comes up in the film. But, yeah, he basically beats up a guy who's trying to fiddle the child. But that's Kikajiro. That's not the wizard. Mm. (laughs) The wizard doesn't have that in it, other than, ah, you touched my breast. Let's get on to the recommendations. Would you recommend this film? Uh, No. Not even with a caveat? No, I'm sorry, no. Wouldn't recommend the best film we've watched. I. This was not the best film we've watched. What's the best film we've watched? Well, I'm not going to say that because isn't that the whole point of the next episode we're doing? Well, yeah. But clearly... Okay, fine. Well, for me, this is probably the best that we've watched so far. So I hard recommend, yes. Yeah. But it's... Yeah. I, I find that people... For me, and this is going to sound really fucking up my own ass, but I, I can only believe that people are watching it wrong. Because I literally can't see what the problem is with getting into this film. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, as you say, you know, it didn't, didn't click for you. And there are a lot of people online that share a similar vibe. It's There seems to be something about it where certain people click in quite nicely and therefore the film is great. And other people just miss it. And it's just like, mm. well, it, I can see what they were doing, but no thanks. So it's a very, it's very weird. It'd be very interesting to try and find what it is. That gets some people to click and some people not. Yeah, to. I agree. As a as a an evaluation piece, it would be interesting. 
Um, but yeah, for me, hard recommend. For you, not at all. I'm afraid not. Well, there you go. That's that's the wizard. Cool. Are we done here? I think we are. Hasta la vista, people. Enjoy yourselves, and please, again, jump on our Discord if you want to find it, or anything else to do with us, please share us around. We are at www.vgmovie.co.uk. It's so easy to find us now. Just please join in, get in conversation, share us around. You know, we, we want to try and get out there to as many people as possible. We do, as Jamie says, put a lot of effort into mm. these. So, All right, and we should we should end, I think, by saying... Merry Christmas, one and all. Merry Christmas, California.